Welcome back to episode six of season two. This is the Non-Anxious Churches podcast. I'm Pastor Mark Knight, and it's been quite the journey that we've had. I've been asking myself this question long before I started asking the leaders of our church, the leaders of the denomination, and you, the podcast listener, this question, what does it look like to be a non-anxious church? I continue to mine the depths of this subject. Why? Because it's vital, it's necessary for our spiritual health, you and I, and the spiritual health of the community of believers that we call the church. It's super necessary for us to ask these questions. What does it look like to not be anxious about anything, but through through prayer and petition, right? Give up our requests unto God. And this means not just individually, but as a community of faith. Here's my goal for this podcast. To participate in a larger conversation that's happening right now. What does the church look like and where is it going? And how do we structure it in such a way? And to ask this about spiritual health in the local and global church. See, anxiousness has oh, anxiousness in the world has a tendency to slip into the pews, creep into the boardrooms, and infiltrate the committees of the churches. And so we're asking that question, what does it look like to be a non-anxious church? But today, let's celebrate a little. This is the Non-Anxious Church Podcast, where we're cultivating a church culture that isn't lost in the sea of anxiousness, one podcast at a time. Last time we talked about the book, Non-Anxious Churches, and it hadn't come out yet. Um, But it's out now, uh, and that's been really exciting. Honestly, I've had lots of feelings about it. Mostly, it still feels very surreal. Um, Even when I've held it in my hands and looked at it and see it in book format, it still feels just strange and surreal and I'm not always even sure how to act in terms of sales or metrics or congratulatory messages or even the the people that have been asking me to write in and sign their book Um, because in so many ways that's the opposite of the spirit I write about in the book itself chasing those things chasing after the higher metrics and the bigger numbers and the the feelings of fame Uh, this idea of wanting uh, success in in the sense of the world standards, fame, bigger, better, faster, celebrityism, right? How this kind of creeps into the church. However, there's a balance at play, and this is what I've been really pondering the last couple weeks. And this is going to be an important topic to discuss, an ongoing topic to discuss for all of us. Um, not specifically just about the book, uh, but about the church too. For there's something there. Like, is it bad to want the book to sell? On the flip, is it bad to want the church to grow in numbers? Is it bad to receive congratulatory messages? On the flip, is it bad to be proud of what your church is doing and how it's doing it? I keep reminding myself of a few things, and let's talk about those today. For my external processing of my book, and is just a showcase, really, for all of us to think about how we process success or failure whether we have it or we want it maybe not failure most of us aren't eager for failure but let's when we think about success whether we have success or we want success and so here's a few things that i've been 
really pondering and really thinking about. When it comes to authors, I have a few friends and I know a few people and I've heard many stories about authors too. And I've learned that sort of authors tend to go in sort of two trajectories um, after their book is published. The first is too high, right? Like they get to a place where they're like, I'm awesome, I'm amazing, things are great. Wow, look at me, I'm finally, I've reached it, right? We've got all these followers, so many people are reading it, got the five stars, right? Like really high and they start to like kind of believe um, in themselves. Pride begins to sort of really just inflate them. But there's also the other side, right? And so that, but that's the one we probably actually imagine the most is the too high. We sort of imagine that that's what like people think of and how they react. But the, the other side is the too low, right? I have some other people I know that have published books and it's, can be something they look back on and they feel devastated, if you will, about it because they feel defeated. Their book didn't sell very well. There wasn't very many uh, followers or or maybe it did do well but it in the sense of sales, but it was sort of made fun of or, you know, rated low or people really disagreed with the logic and the thinking behind it. And so there's this also too low, like my my identity and my worth is sort of tied up in how whatever my project or my art or my career or my vocation is tied up in that and whether it's whether it's raging success or or failure it's this like inner devastation or inner sort of elation and that's where we have to make sure that we whatever we do we keep it in the right spot we allow it to be what it is. I've said this a little a little bit before, not in the podcast, but just to other people, is that, well, the book the book is what it is. It is what it is. It's a book. Um, and this is why we, as humans, we have to be careful that we're not creating idols of something, of anything. Um, because we can do this with kids. We can do this with jobs. We can do this with uh, whatever. We can say, like, if you try to make it more than it is in your own life, and it doesn't. It isn't just what it is. Then you're going to find yourself wrapped up in it. That your worth and your identity and your emotions and your feelings and your all that is tied to it. So if you decide, let's say, for example, you decide to make your vocation, which is a good thing, having a job, right, working and resting, is a very biblical thing. But you decide to make that your, like your worth, your identity, who you are, how you see yourself, and how the world sees you and you have great success in it, you're going to have an inflated sense of who you are and your, and your worth. Or if you have great failure in it, you're going to think, well, I, I, I lost my purpose. I lost my meaning. I lost who I am. And so the same goes back to like a book or a church or a ministry or whatever, that if we write it too high or write it too low, we've actually created an idol out of it. We've created it more than it is. It, it, it's a, it just simply is what it is. Money is simply money. It's a tool that you can use for economics, right? But if you make money sort of your end goal, what you chase in life, you end up making an idol. And so you have to find, we all have to find, and I have to find, contentment in the things that God puts in front of us and the things that God puts behind us as we've moved past them. We got to find contentment in our life and in and every in and everything that we do and how we think of things and how we go about our lives. We have to find contentment. And so whether it's popular or not, 
whether it's ridiculed or not, it is what it is. It's not something that we can, I, I'm going to tie my worth to. And, and the same would be true about a church or a ministry or a sermon. Maybe I've, I've had pastors that talk to me about how defeated they feel when they, you know, get up there and have a flop sermon. It's like, you know what? Uh, I've said to this too. Maybe this is just being mean, me being mean, but I've said, you got many more coming, right? Because it's just, it, it is what it is, right? It is what it is. And that's okay. The other thing that I have to remind myself, and we should always remind ourselves when it comes to the church too, is it's about the message, right? Like, one of the things that keeps me grounded is this idea when, when people are like wanting to make more of it than it is or I feel weird about marketing it or, or talking about it or, uh, you know, whatever, posting about it. When I feel weird about that, I have to remind myself that it's not a that's not me. I'm not marketing me or publicizing me or making myself bigger or better or whatever or trying to distort something of who I am. No, it's about this message. Am I proud of the message? Is it something that I believe in so much that I would want other people to read it? And for me, the message is abide in Jesus and he will abide in you. And this can be done in a community of believers, right? That's what non-anxious churches look like is that we're abiding in Jesus. We're following his lead and that he's abiding in us. And, and what does this look like? How does this, how does the fruit grow from this? And so that's the message that, that we need to be proud of and we need to be excited for and we need to be sharing and when it comes to the church, right, when you think about non-anxious churches, and if you desire to be in a non-anxious church or lead a non-anxious church or be part of a non-anxious church, you also remember it's 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 not about the the brand. It's about Jesus, right? It's about abiding in him and it's about making sure that, that the overflow of Jesus' life is coming out of this community. One more thought that I've had. And this it's more of a question. What is your soul absorbing? What is your soul absorbing? It reminds me of a quote from Christine Kane. She said this, If the light that is on you is brighter than the light that is in you, the light that is on you will destroy you. That's good. That's really good. If the light that is on you is brighter than the light that is in you, the light that is on you will destroy you. And I talk about this idea in the book, but spotlights can be one of the most dangerous things for your life, for your soul. It can suck the life out of your soul as you desire the spotlight more and more and more and more and continue to chase the next applause of man. Like this is, it can be soul sucking. It can be damaging that if you don't have a a light that's within you that is brighter than the light that's on you, it will eventually destroy you. And we've seen this far too often, not only in the ministry circles, but in just fame in general. When it comes to celebrity fame, whether it's movie stars or singers or, or what have you. But now let's flip it because the optimists in all of us are like, we we will be in the spotlight. Like we want, like I can't wait to be in the spotlight. That's what sometimes we think about. And so I, I got to make sure I cultivate the light that's within me. I got to allow Jesus to shine out of me, right? But what if it's the opposite? What if it you never get in the spotlight? As I said above, what if it's it ne- never happens? What if for me the book crashes and burns? What if it gets a bunch of one star reviews, gets trashed, or maybe even just doesn't sell to anyone except for my closest circles? To take that into the church, what if the church or your ministry never really goes anywhere in terms of the world's definition of success? 
What if the church doesn't grow in numbers? The budgets don't come. What if you can never really hire more than uh, maybe no staff, right? It's just solo pastor. Or maybe you can't ever expand the staff. Maybe you can never get a big building. Maybe you planted a church and you've never even been able to get into a building at all. Is this always what it's going to be? What, like what then? Like what, what then if the spotlight never comes? Because if we've dis- defined success as getting into a spotlight, as fame or numbers or bigger or better or faster, then this is once again, if the light that is on you is bigger than the light that is in you, the light that is on you will destroy you. Like you've, uh, you're chasing the wrong light. You're chasing the wrong light if you're trying to make sure that you or your church or your ministry or sermons look good. Because defeat can either be defining or it can be destroying. And it depends on what you let your soul absorb. It comes back to where you find your worth where you find your life, where you find your source of identity. If I abide in Jesus, success or failure will only be opportunities for Jesus to continue to make me more like him. They may define me and they they even do something in me, but it's through Jesus that the definition of what that looks like actually takes shape. And if Jesus is working in us, then we actually want the failures and the successes to be opportunities for Jesus to work within us. And so my worth comes from Jesus. My life comes from Jesus. My definition of who I am comes from Jesus. My identity comes from Jesus. And he uses the circumstances of our life, whether they're success or failure, or everything in between, to work out his good purposes within us and within his world. If you abide in Jesus and you fail miserably at something, Jesus is with you in the valley. And your worth, identity, and life comes from him, not the failure. If you abide in Jesus and you succeed amazingly, Jesus is with you on the mountaintop. And your worth, identity, and life comes from him, not the success. And this is why I would argue that success can actually be more destructive for a person than failure. Because in failure, a person will often feel like the only place they can turn is to Jesus. But in success, who needs Jesus? Maybe that's the question that someone would ask. Non-anxious churches come from non-anxious presences, right? Like people that are non-anxious presence, whether it's in leaders or congregants or both. How are we doing on that? When life throws us all sorts of chaos, opportunities, excitements, wins, or losses, where do we find our source of life? If we're chasing the spotlight, hoping that the spotlight is actually the sun, then we're always going to be a wilting plant. But if we chase after Jesus, who provides the sun and the water to be able to, the the winters and the summers and the springs to be able to help grow within us through any and every season, then life may throw a lot at us, but we're always defined by the Creator creating within us and so these are just three examples of things that I've been thinking about and things that I think apply to sort of our journey in non-anxious churches because so much we've decided to allow the world to, to tell us what is considered success or failure we've decided so much to decide what or, or to align ourselves with the what the world calls um, goodness or opportunity or 
kindness or whatever. Instead, uh, we're so used to in our culture chasing after spotlights and fame and success and numbers and money and not like those things are are or are bad, but they are bad when that's what we find our worth and identity within. And so, instead, let's abide in Jesus and he promised that he'll abide in us and so that will carry us through any and every season whether too high or too low. Thank you for joining me this week on the Non-Anxious Churches podcast. If you like what is happening here, I would ask you, plead with you even, leave a rating, a review, wherever you get your podcasts. Buy a book, share it with somebody, right? For me, it's the, the message is important. Find a pastor if you aren't a pastor. Find a church leader if you aren't a church leader. Pass it on to them. But for now, thank you for joining me on episode six of season two. And before I go, remember, you can always email me, nonanxiouschurches at gmail.com. Some of you have, some of you will. But for now, God bless.